Would you guys pray with me before we jump into this message? Lord, I pray that these are your words, God. I pray that you speak to us today. And Lord, you brought everybody here. You're the reason we're here. And and Lord, I pray that each of us are able to leave really knowing that we heard something from you, Lord God. And so would you speak to us boldly today? In your name we pray. Amen. We are finishing the fruit of the Spirit today. I know it's exciting. And some of you, maybe you weren't here for all of them. Some of you, this might be the only one that you're here for. That's okay. You should still hopefully get something really good out of this. But I do encourage you to go and and re-listen to the rest of them because this is kind of a, a process that the Spirit brings us on. The Bible says that when we receive Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells in us. But then the choice is, do we let the Spirit of God be in control? Do we let the Spirit of God lead us? Or do we let our flesh or our sinful nature stay in charge? And we can look at our life, and depending on what's growing out of our life, we'll know who's in charge. But it kind of starts with love and joy and peace, and we got to walk through this. And today we're kind of at the very end of it. And this is the one fruit of the Spirit that most people would say, this is the one that I want. They try to go right to self-control. Because if I could just have some self-control, then everything would be great, right? It's kind of the missing element in most of our lives. We look at our lives, and, and if we look at where things maybe went wrong, usually it's because we lacked self-control control. And so we were like, okay, God, give me self-control. But what we have to understand is self-control, there's a reason that it's at the very end, is because self-control is almost the amalgamation. Is that the right word? Is that a real word? Amalgamation? Where's Leslie? Oh, well, I'll ask her when she gets back. Of all of the other fruit of the Spirit, you can't just jump to this, because this idea, there she is, she can tell me later. Uh, There's there's a process that we have to go through. So what is self-control? Most of us think of self-control as, you know, I don't, I don't snack at night when I get hungry. I, I, if I get mad, I, I'm able to bite my lip. If I want to tell somebody off, I don't. If someone cuts me off in traffic, I give them this finger instead of the other one, right? That's self-control. And we think of it as that, as like, you know, I can kind of, you know, I cannot maybe be a bad person even though I've got some bad urges. And that obviously is, is part of it. But there's so much more to this. And when I looked at the meaning of this word, the, the core of it in the original language, I was actually a little surprised to see that self-control maybe isn't even the best way to translate it. The, a better way would be self-mastery. That seems a little bit more intimidating to me than, okay, I got to just control myself, right? I got to just keep myself in check. Maybe I can let myself mess up a little bit. I can let myself get out of control. But as long as I'm kind of got things somewhat under control, I'm good. Versus this idea of self-mastery is a little bit different. There's a little bit more to it than that. Or really, it's... This idea of dominion over yourself. We don't use the word dominion very much, but it's a word that used to be used a lot, especially when there was a lot of war that was going on and land was being taken over and taken back and there was always these these changes happening and who owned what. 
what nation owned what land, this word dominion was used. And it basically means I have authority in this area. What I say goes. A king would have dominion, meaning what I decide is what's going to happen in this area. And that's where they would go to battle and they would wage war on who gets dominion, who gets to have the authority, whose word is final in this area. And this is what we are called to have over ourselves, which we don't think about a lot, but that's the fruit of the Spirit. If you're being led by the Spirit, what should be growing out of your life is dominion over yourself, mastery over yourself. Now, how many of you would say, I'm there, I've arrived, I'm a, I'm, I've got myself mastered? I certainly don't. In fact, it was just a couple days ago that I'd asked myself, what am I, why do I acting like this? This isn't, I know this is not how I should be thinking. I know this is not how I should be acting. Yet somehow, that true mastery, that true dominion, that true authority over myself isn't quite there. So let's look at another place that this, this word, or that, that we talk about how you can have self-control. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. And this is the Apostle Paul, the same person who wrote the fruit of the Spirit. He says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You see, when I first saw self-mastery, I kind of thought of mastery as like when you have a trade and you become a master at it. You're just really good. You're really skilled. Everything you do is like a masterpiece. It's, it's perfect. And I kind of liked that because that seemed nice and artsy and that kind of fits with who I am. Like I'll be a master of myself and I'll, I'll form myself and I'll create all these great things. And that's really not what mastery means. And in this time of the, when the Bible is being written in Rome, and I've, I know I've talked to you guys about this before, slavery was a huge part of life. And it wasn't just what we know as slavery, where, where people are taken from their home and imprisoned. That did happen. But there was also if people got into debt, they would have to go into slavery. If, if they had a debt they couldn't pay off, they would go to the courts and the courts would say, okay, you owe this much and you can't pay it off. All right, you're this person's slave for this many years, because that's about the equivalent. It was a big part of life. There was even something that would happen where if you were working for someone and you thought, this person's awesome. This person treats me well. I like how this person runs their business. I like everything about them. You could just volunteer to be like, I just want to serve under this person for the rest of my life. They've shown me enough. That happened. So slavery, this idea of having a master where what they say goes, I know that goes so far against kind of our culture here, and that's a good thing, but that was a big part of life. And this idea of self-mastery is much more in line of your flesh, your body, your sinful nature should be under your dominion. Now that sounds really intimidating because for me, that's a lot less fun than the idea of being like a master tradesman and just doing something really well. This isn't about being good at something. It's about having authority over yourself. Really, if I can make it make the most sense, self-mastery is making your flesh serve you 
not the other way around. And if we're all being honest, most of us live life serving our flesh. That's how we've always lived life. Our flesh, our sinful nature makes demands on us. And we just kind of live every day to try to quiet that voice in our head that's screaming to be satisfied. And when we are being led by the Spirit of God, there's a change that can happen where we no longer, we're no longer a, a soul or a spirit that exists simply to satisfy our flesh. We now can turn it around and say, no, body, flesh, sinful nature, you now work for me. And that's why Paul says, I strike a blow to my body. I make my body my slave. My body works for me, not the other way around. My flesh works for me, not the other way around. And that might sound simple, but it is, it is a very, very intense change that can happen because here's what I need to tell you. Your flesh, your sinful nature wants to be your master. Do you guys know that? Your flesh, your sinful nature is not your friend. And if you don't get anything else away from this, please leave with this. The desires that you have of, of, of satisfy me, if you give me this, then I'll be happy. It pretends to be your friend. It whispers that it's your friend. But let me promise you, it is not. It does not want what's best for you. It wants to stomp your face into the ground and be your master. It wants you to be a slave to it, and it will not lead you to good things. See, it lies to you. That's, that's the trick of it. So, so let's say, you know, you have, a, you have a bad day, and it's just been rough, and your flesh whispers to you, hey, this show, that's absolute garbage. That is just, it, it is filling your brain with stuff you don't want there. It's leading you into a life you don't want to live, but it's going to make you feel good right now. And I'm your friend, right? I'm the one who has your back. So why don't you go ahead and watch it? Because I'm here with you. I have your back. It's lying to you. It is not your friend. Your flesh will never want what's best for you. And it will never lead you into good places. It wants to make you its slave. And this idea of self-control, it's more than just, well, I don't do this. I don't do that. It's getting into a state where you truly say no. I do not work for my flesh. My flesh is not my master. I am the master. My flesh will work for me. And this is what Paul says. I strike a blow to my body. I make my body my slave. And you might be saying, well, no, it's not that big a deal, right? I don't, I don't, what I do isn't from my flesh. I, I'm in control of it. And if you're there, I would encourage you to do a little practice called fasting and see how that goes. See, fasting is something in the Bible that we're told to do. And we, we don't do it that much in our modern culture. I think we probably could do it more. And it's, it's, we're, we're told to do it because it, it changes how we pray. There's something that happens when we fast and pray where there's a little bit more power to it. And I believe that when the Bible gives us instructions like that, of like, hey, do something this way, there's a supernatural blessing that comes with it because we obey. And so there's, there's something that's unexplainable where our prayers are just more effective and stronger simply because we've obeyed. But then there's also a physical thing that happens as well. 
that there's a blessing that comes because when you start to fast, and I know a lot of us, it's become very trendy to be like, well, I'm fasting social media, and that's good. You should do that, or, or I'm fasting this or that. But there's something different when you fast eating for even a day or two. And I am shocked every time I do this. I think, I've got myself under control. I tell myself what to do. And then I go one or two days without eating and I become a baby. You can ask Leslie. I become an absolute baby. I'm whining. I'm like, everything's a problem. It's terrible. And I'm humbled to my core every time I do it because I'm like, that's all it took? But watch what happens when you start depriving your flesh of what it wants. You might think like, no, my flesh isn't that powerful. I'm in charge. I tell my flesh what to do. Put it to the test. And you're going to be shocked at how strong and how much power your flesh still has in your life because it's used to getting its way. It's used to, it's, it says jump and you say how high. And when you start to deprive it, all of a sudden it starts to scream and you are humbled by how loud that scream is and how much power it still has in your life. And I believe that's the physical because it's like when I fast and I pray, there's a supernatural thing to I've obeyed God and that's great. But there's also a part where I am so humbled I, you know, because a lot of times I'll go to pray and I'm like, I'm pretty good. I'm praying from a, a righteous standpoint. I'm a, I'm a good person. And I'm praying. And then you fast for a couple days and you realize how much your flesh is still in control, how weak your spirit really is against it. And you go to pray and there's a true humility to it. Now, I'm not, this is not a sermon on fasting, but it's, I think any of you who have tried it will know you'll be shocked at how strong and how powerful your flesh is. And a lot of times we, we kind of give it enough to keep it quiet so we can trick ourselves to thinking, nope, I've got control. I've got mastery over it. But the Bible tells us very clearly that in your life, you can only have one master. You cannot have two things telling you what to do at the same time. So either your flesh is telling you what to do, or the Spirit of God is telling you what to do. You cannot listen to both at the same time. In fact, it actually says that when you listen to one, you will despise the other. So you're not just going to be indifferent. The one that you start to listen to, it will start to warp your heart to despise the other one. And that's what you'll notice. The more you get into the Word of God, and the more you start to pray, the more that you don't seem to want all of those sinful things anymore. You're, you're starting to, to serve the Spirit of God in you, and it's starting to cause you to despise those things of your flesh. But it works the same way the other way around. You start to feed your flesh. You start to work for your flesh and do what your flesh tells you. And suddenly, you don't really want to read your Bible. You don't really want to pray. You can't serve both at the same time. This is what I would say is one of the most important decisions you will ever make in your life is which you're going to serve. Who is going to be your master? And I'm here to tell you, your flesh wants that position really bad. And it will fight for it really bad. And it will lie to you and manipulate you really bad. And so you have to be aware. You have to understand that this is going on. That, that those, those desires that you have that are not of God, the sinful desires, 
They're not your friend. They want to be your master. Here's the benefit of having self-control. This is Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. It says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Self-control protects you. That's, that's what it does. It protects you from destruction. Think in your life. Go back through your life and think of decisions that you have made that were terrible, that destroyed things in your life. And just, you can probably think of one pretty quick of like you, you look back at it and you're like, oh, that was a terrible decision. How did I not see that that was going to go so wrong? It took so much from me. It robbed my life of so many things. And I want to ask you, you probably, this isn't really a question because I think I know the answer. You were probably trying to satisfy your flesh. That's why you made that decision. Your flesh leads to destruction. That's what the Bible says. That's why it's not your friend. It whispers, I'm the only one who cares. I'm the only one who wants you to feel good right now. Everyone else doesn't want you to have this good thing, but I, I will lead you to it. But ultimately, it always leads to your destruction. That's, your flesh doesn't care that you get destroyed. It wants what's going to feel good right now, and it could care less about the long term. And it will always lead you to destruction. And that's why having mastery over yourself, having authority over yourself, having your flesh serve you, protects you. Because it's like having a wall up in your city where that destruction is not going to get in. And, and your flesh is kind of like that spy that's just going to open the door for the people who want to harm you. It's going to let those harmful things into your life. Because again, it does not care about you. It is not your friend. And we've been talking this, this whole series about, okay, so there's the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is kind of at the end of this whole road, you are the master over your flesh. You are the one in control. You're no longer living to just satisfy what your flesh wants. What's the, what's the fruit of your flesh? What is the ultimate end game to your flesh wanting to be in control. And if you look at the, the fruit of the flesh, there's a simple word that I think is the perfect explanation. It's just impurity or disease, to be kind of infested with disease. And that's what your flesh does. Your flesh just lets the bacteria in. That's what it does. And you're, you're in that place of always being a little sick to your core. That's what your flesh does to you. The spirit is, is clean and pure and, it, and you have a dominion over yourself. But if your flesh is in control, if you're living to just satisfy your flesh, it's like a disease. It's like a sickness that destroys you from the inside out. And that's why this is so important. You might be like, man, this sounds really hard. Yeah, it is. But it's very, very worth it. Because ultimately, and I can just, I know I've said it three or four times, but I'm going to keep saying it so that you guys remember it. Your flesh will lead to your destruction. It does not care about you. It's lying to you when it says, I'm the only one who cares about you. I'm the only one who wants you to feel good. Maybe for a moment, but it will lead to destruction every single time. So here's the real question. How do you master your flesh, right? Because that's the real question. Because if we could have done it, why didn't we do it already? Right? The Bible says that before Jesus, we were slaves to our flesh. We had no option. We could not overcome it. We were not strong enough. 
And I want to ease some of your fears here today as well and say, you're still not strong enough to overcome your flesh. That's, you don't have the power in yourself to do that. Because if you did, you could have done it without Jesus. So I will say it again, this is not the fruit of your willpower. It's not the fruit of your intelligence or your theology. It is the fruit of the Spirit. You actually, I'll go as far as to say, you actually probably can't have dominion over yourself. But you can give that dominion to the Spirit of God. And that is the only way to do it. I want you to read this verse. This is directly after the fruit of the Spirit. He lists the fruit of the Spirit, and this is what he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. He says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is kind of the hard news of this, is that the only way that you overcome your flesh, the only way that you master your flesh, is by letting it die. Now that's harsh, that's, that's hard, but that's what the Bible says. Because here's the thing, is your flesh, as long as it's alive, is going to want to be in charge. You are not going to get to the point where your flesh just submits and says, that's okay. That's why we have to crucify our flesh. That's why we have to, if you go back to 1 Corinthians where Paul says, I strike a blow to my body, that, that actually means, it translates to give your body a black eye or to harass it with violence. You're not going to be able to talk your flesh into submission. You're not going to be able to let your flesh hang around and know, but I'm strong enough, I can overcome it. That's not how it works. If your flesh has breath in it, it's going to try to be maneuvering back in control. That's all it knows. That's all it's going to ever know is how do I get in control? How do I become the master? And that's why the Bible says those who are led by the Spirit, the flesh is actually dying. Now it's a process. I'm not saying you're going to leave here today and you're never going to have a, a sinful desire ever again. That's not what I'm saying. But as you decide to put the Spirit of God on the throne, to hand over dominion to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will actually start to kill that flesh in your life. And it's a process, but you can talk to a believer who's been in this process for years and years. And as you continue to stay in step with the Spirit, let the Spirit be in control. Live your life in such a way that, that what God desires of you is what you put in control. You're going to notice that flesh start to die, and that's the only way to master it. I wish there was an easier way to just be like, well, you just get stronger, but at the end of the day, that's not how it works. It's the only thing strong enough to really kill your flesh is the Spirit of God. And for most of us, the Spirit of God is waiting for us to give it the authority to do that. See, it's not about us wrestling control away from our flesh. It's about us turning to the Spirit and saying, you have authority, you have dominion, do what you need to do in my life. And we watch the Spirit do work and kill our flesh. See, it's not really about us at all. Our decision is who we put on the throne. Our decision is who we give the authority to in our life. And you might be saying, why don't we do this? It's, it seems really easy because it still hurts to have your flesh crucified, right? And that's where we talked about long-suffering going through the fire. How do you think the Spirit kills your flesh? 
It's through trials, through fires, through things like that. And that's why until we have long-suffering, self-control isn't even going to be on the table for us. Because until we can walk through the fires that the Spirit's going to use to crucify and kill that flesh, we're never going to be able to have that flesh die off in our life. The biggest choice we make is who we give authority to. And so really, I would say it's not so much self-mastery as it is spirit control of saying, Spirit, I put you on the throne. I give you authority to decide. If there's something in my life that needs to die, I give you the authority to kill it. Now, that's a brave prayer. That's a scary prayer because you're not in control of what the Spirit decides needs to die. But that's the only way to wrestle control away from our flesh is to hand it over to the Spirit. And that's why it's the end result of all of this. You need all of these things. You need love. You need joy. You need peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. You need all of those things before having that true mastery is going to be an option for you. But you can now see, as we look at at the life of a believer, and I want to be really clear, it's not going to be perfect. This is a process. It's staying in step with the Spirit. You're going to walk out of here, and you're still going to have struggles, and it's going to be a daily choice to say, no, Spirit of God, you have control. You have authority. If something in my life needs to die, if you need me to walk through a fire or a trial because there's things in me that need to die, I give you the authority to do it. And we're going to have to make that choice day after day after day. And it's a hard choice to make. But I want you to just imagine a life where your flesh isn't your master. It's pretty amazing to be able to say, no, the Spirit of God is in control. It is on the throne of my heart. I do not live to serve you anymore. And most of us live in that middle ground where we're still trying to make everything happy. We're trying to have two masters, and we can't do it. The Bible is so clear. You can't serve two masters. One thing is going to be on the throne of your heart. And whatever you put on the throne of your heart, you're going to start to despise the opposite. And so as a, as a recap, just to really make sure we all understand this, the Spirit of God in you is going to love And you're going to hear your flesh screaming, what about me? Do what's best for you. And you got to choose to put the Spirit of God on the throne so that that part of you that's screaming, what about me? When am I going to get what I want? Can be crucified. The Spirit is going to have joy and you're going to hear your flesh screaming, I don't like this situation. I'm going to be unhappy. I'm going to be envious until my situation is good. Spirit's going to have peace. Your flesh is going to scream. Anything that I don't like, anything that annoys me, anything that frustrates me, I'm going to put a wedge. I'm going to pull away from anything that I don't like. The Spirit's going to have long suffering. Your flesh is going to say, I'm going to find a shortcut. I'm going to find an easier way. I'm not going to walk through the fire. I'm going to find a way out of this fire, even if it means that there's things in me that needed to die that aren't going to die. I don't care. I don't want to stay in the fire. The Spirit of God is kind. Your flesh is going to scream, we need to get even. We were hurt, we need to hurt someone else when we get power. The Spirit of God says, I want to be good from the inside out. Your flesh will say, I'm just going to pretend. 
The spirit has faith. It's full of faith. Your flesh will say, I'll believe it when I see it. The spirit has gentleness. Your flesh says, I'll put them in their place. They're going to feel my wrath. And finally, the spirit wants to be in control. And your flesh wants to be in control. That's the battle. And that's what you have to watch as a Christian. And going back all the way to the beginning, we don't rely on emotions. We don't rely on how close do I feel to God today because our emotions can lie to us. And there's going to be seasons where we don't feel close to God because we don't know what he's doing and he's going to be working powerfully in our lives in a way that we just can't see right now. But eventually we will see. And we look to the fruit. What is in control? What is clearly on the throne of my heart? What have I given dominion to? What have I given authority to? Because that is the indicator of where we're at. So one more time, before we close, your flesh is not your friend. It does not want what's best for you. It wants to be in control. It wants to have its foot on your neck and have you a slave to it. The Spirit of God loves you. It wants what's best for you. It will lead you through fires, but fires to kill the things in you that are leading to destruction. Fires to make you pure and clean. Fires to make you who you were originally meant to be. And the biggest choice is who we give authority to, who we put on the throne of our heart, who we listen to, is going to determine what our life looks like as we continue to walk forward. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray over you. Lord, I thank you that you are strong enough to overcome our flesh. Lord, we were never strong enough. Lord, if, if we could have overcome our, our sinful desires, our, our, our nature, Lord, our flesh, we could have done it without you and we, we can't. And so God, I first of all, just thank you that you are strong enough, that if we put you on the throne of our hearts, if we give you authority, if we give you dominion, you can overcome our flesh and more than overcome it, you can crucify it, Lord. You can kill it. Lord, but we know that you kill it through fires, you kill it through trials, Lord. As, as we obey and as we walk through difficult situations, Lord, it's not just to feel pain, it's to be refined, Lord. Just like we're called the mill as we're refined, Lord God. You refine that flesh out of us. You refine that sinful nature out of us, Lord God. So Lord, we thank you. And I pray for everybody here, Lord, that you give them the courage to put you on the throne, to give you authority. That as, as you lead them, even into uncomfortable situations, Lord God, you lead them into trials, you lead them, Lord, that they have the courage to trust you. Lord, as their flesh lies to them and says, I'm the only one who cares. I'm the only one who wants you to feel good, Lord, that, that you'll show them the lie. You'll show them that that leads to destruction, that their flesh is not their friend, that you are their friend, Lord, and that friends will lead us into purity and not destruction, Lord God. And so, Lord, I just pray for everybody here that your spirit guides them, Lord God, that they listen to you, that as they go throughout their day, even in the small decisions, they ask themselves, what is the Spirit of God telling me to do? What, are you, what is God leading me to do in this situation? And they obey, Lord, every day. And as they do that, 
they begin to see their life drastically change. Lord, we look to you. This is the fruit of you, Lord God. It's not the fruit of us. It's the fruit of you, Lord God. So Lord, would you be in control of our life? Would you, would you take that authority, Lord? Would you help us to give you that authority in our life? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.